it's a new phase of the direct podcast no review this week but we do have our long-awaited adam warlock more marvel heavy news in the sizzle reel a trio of quick questions and even more of your fan submitted topics later in a mailbag the direct podcast episode 55 let's go to work truth is we need new heroes thanks for the lesson this is the way in my culture i am a jedi i am birthed with glorious purpose they're all villains here not us united i'm a superhero Welcome in to phase two of the direct podcast, episode 55. Matt, a little bit of a live production note here. Mm. I don't know whether or not to group these new episodes in like a season two or keep them all going in season one. I don't want any new listeners to be confused and feel like they missed out on season one if we group them in season two. But it's just, I don't know, it's, it's a new phase, but I feel like we're just continuing everything we were just setting up previously last week the months before, the year before. And how about that new banger of an intro, huh? Yeah. Bang. Bang. I love it. It's absolutely fantastic. It's one of the greatest things I've ever heard, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I, I can't I can't adore it more than I do right now. As far as the season, uh, the season two thing, that's interesting. I haven't thought about that. It's a good question. Um, I really don't know because I get both sides of it. Like, it does feel like a season two, doesn't it? A little bit. A little bit. At least a little bit. Um. But also, I like the we're you know we haven't made any sweeping. You know what? Maybe if when the stars and the moon align and everything falls into place, two episodes a week. Maybe that's season two. Ah, you know that's a big move. That's a big that's a big stomping ground here. You know, some people have been calling for it, not nearly enough. If you want two episodes a week, let us know so we can show it to our bosses and let them know that we that you let us know that you want two episodes a week. But maybe that's the case. But it does feel like a season two. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Hit us up on socials. And if you're going to hit us up on socials, you probably need to know our names. I am your host, yeah. the content machine, Liam Crowley, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, the old wolf, Matt Remke. Yes. Matt, I need a little I need a little explanation for this uh, surprise nickname this week because I'm digging it. Well, it's a little bit of the, you know, if you know, you know, situation. Um, I'm very excited about this upcoming movie. It's a small flick. Eternals coming out in ah. November. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, I, I, I heard am, I heard it's uh, doing a, a film festival. Uh, sure, somewhere, like somewhere in some yeah. small town on the other side of the world. Um, I am over the moon excited for this movie for a plethora of reasons, the least of which. Um, Richard Madden, uh, who plays Icarus in the upcoming Eternals movie, who also famously played Rob Stark, the young wolf in Game of Thrones. So I was trying to come up with a nickname. It's probably going to end up, uh, you know, being something like Hawkeye, Matt Rimke by the time we get to Hawkeye. But, you know, with with this big gap we have here, is this the biggest gap we've had in a while, I feel like, you know, between, uh, you know, shows of content? So it's it's interesting because I, I wanted to do the Eternals, Matt Rimke. That's the nickname I wanted. And I thought, nah, you know, that's a little too broad. You know, what if it was like, uh, you know, something about Icarus, something about Richard Madden. He's the young wolf in Game of Thrones. Liam, I'm like the second oldest dude that works here at the Direct. So it's a little bit of a play on words situation. I'm not married to it. I, I'm sure it'll change next week. But that's kind of the bit, right? Yeah, I like that. I like that, though. It's got layers. It's like an yeah, onion. It's layers, got layers, like an onion. Well, we do want to officially welcome you into phase two, as Matt said, as we uh, reference off the top, a brand new era of the direct podcast and not a lot of stark changes. See what I did there? Immediately. 
Um, but we are going to be seeing uh, a lot more new and fresh things in the coming weeks. But I did want to give a little uh, quick recap on everything we were able to accomplish in phase one. Thanks to you all. Thanks to the listeners. Uh, quick little statistics for you. 82 iTunes reviews in phase one. Phenomenal. Uh, we're hoping to hit 100 by the year's end. So keep them coming. But still, 82 is something I am very, very proud about. Here's a number that I know myself and Matt are extremely proud of. 68,000 downloads across six continents. Where are you, Antarctica? 135 countries and nearly 5,000 cities. That's wild. What? Yeah, I don't understand it either. (laughs) It It, makes no sense. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, at the end of the day, even though we are very proud of this podcast and everything we're able to accomplish, some of the uh, accomplishments are kind of unfathomable. And to check the statistics, I always check the download statistics to make sure we're putting up, you know, our our standard numbers. Sometimes I don't always delve into the locations. And when you look at that map, Matt, it's breathtaking. It's nuts. It's it's something that I never thought that this could be. I always thought like, I've always wanted to have a podcast, right? Who amongst us hasn't? You know, that's not a unique dream people have. But um, I've always thought like, you know, it would be a local podcast, like me and my friends would listen to it, shit like that. But, you know, you know, we thank the fans up top and, you know, they're first and foremost, you know, the biggest thanks here, but also everybody at uh, the direct Brian, Jack, everybody who's allowed us to use that platform, which if you're not following the direct on social media, by the way, I don't know what the hell you're doing here. I don't know how you found us. And you know what? I really don't care. Keep, keep spreading the good word, but head over to MCU direct, DCU direct, Star Wars direct, uh, PSU Direct, uh, Xbox Direct, all of our channels um, over on the direct.com. That platform, this amazing company has allowed us to reach everyone here and build this community. And I can't be more thankful for it. Myself as well. And I did mention that new banger of an intro, Matt. I know you got some stuff to say about that sexy new logo. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, awesome to have some updated cover art here. You know, we've been Ride and dying with that red, blue, and yellow uh, for a long time. Even though, what flag was it that everybody said it looks like? Oh, I need a. I'll get the Colombian flag. Maybe. Um, you know, we we are so proud of um, you know this this kind of product we built, and you know, obviously, uh, as the graphic artist on the team, I'm kind of in charge of the branding and the promotion and the look and the feel of everything. So I'm so glad I got to team up with the direct's very own Tom Drew. Um, over at, at Tom Drew Art to uh, illustrate this new cover and kind of piece it together with some graphic design. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited that it's here finally. And uh, moving forward, it's something that I hope we stick by. Liam, thank you so much for handling that new intro, something that, you know, that that's one thing that we've talked about. It's not, you know, that's not going to be edged in stone because that's something we want to keep fluid. We want to evolve over time and uh, it's going to be really fun to keep growing that section of the podcast such a big part of the show yeah the big thing with this new intro is i wanted to include quotes from shows that we've reviewed in in their entirety uh, as well as movies and it's cool because moving forward the more shows we review the more movies we review we're going to hang their jerseys in the rafters right. by inserting you know one of their more memorable quotes into the intro so keep a lookout for that it's going to be a lot of fun and one thing we did mention last week that we didn't get to because we had such a packed show for our one-year anniversary is the quick questions we glossed right over them and who knows we were able to get three in that we need to catch up on so let's get right into it k master over on itunes k master 14 uh he asks what if has wrapped up so now that we have seen it 
what is your dream what if scenario? Uh, he gave a couple examples. What if Thor had gone for the head? Uh, would, would Tony want to keep the stones or would Steve want to destroy them? Matt, I'll go to you first. Uh, I, I feel like I need to think a little bit more about my dream what if scenario. So I want to sure. ask you about his example. Who do, who do you think would, would take the W there? Would Tony want to keep the stones or would Steve want to destroy them? What a cool question that is. You know what I mean? Because that's really the big moment. You know, had Thor gone for the head, none of this would have happened. That's, that's kind of the idea. It's just one slight miss, and that leads to the whole Thor character arc and game with the depression and the weight and the drinking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if he had gone for the head, we had the stones in hand. It kind of plays off as like Civil War 2.0 a little bit, right? Because, you know, that's what it would be. It would be, Tony, you know, how can we use this to, you know, make sure this never happens again? We were a second away from, you know, being all, you know, just annihilated throughout the entire universe. See what I did there? Annihilation. Um, and then Steve, you know, obviously we want to get rid of the threat and just, you know, nobody should be wielding this power. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It kind of uh, shines a light on not a critique I have with Infinity War. I, I do think Infinity War is as close to a perfect movie as you can get for what it is. Um, but, you know, it, it is interesting how quickly Tony, Cap, and all the Earth-based Avengers had to learn about the stones. Obviously, they had experience with them, with the Tesseract and the Scepter and uh, Vision with the Mind uh, Scepter and Mind Stone. Same thing. Um, you know, th this isn't the first time they've seen or, you know, been had experience with the stones, but they really did get the whole gamut of everything going on in a very, very brief amount of time. We never even saw Cap get the rundown that Tony and the Guardians were able to get. So, um, you know, then learning about what these stones are, asking those questions, I think that'd be a really interesting scenario to see unfold. Liam, do you have a dream what-if scenario off the top of your head? Ooh, um, dream what-if scenario. I'll, I'll answer the, the, the second half of this question um, while I'm thinking of this. I think the easy answer is Cap would absolutely want to destroy them. I point back to the first Avengers. Uh, can you tell us anything about the Tesseract we don't know already? Yeah, you should have left it in the ocean. He would want nothing Bang. to do with those stones. He would want them destroyed. And I think Tony, as much as he might have a you know learning moment after the whole Ultron situation, I think he would be very tempted at you know, look at these marvels of, of scientific discovery. Let's evolve the human race. Let's, let's use them to create something even better, which obviously would end up in a domino effect of creating something worse. So I think it would be a very, very interesting conflict because what do you do when your greatest enemy is destroyed, but the greatest weapon in this, in the history of the universe is now at your fingertips. Like power changes people and civil war dealt with documents civil war ii dealing with something that could eviscerate the human race that would be absolutely fascinating so it's a what if scenario i would love to see play out because you know me i love those human conversations i love sure. the heart to hearts and if we just got 30 minutes of diplomatic discussion between steve and tony in season two i'd be all in i think it could be very fun my dream what if scenario i would <sighs> I'm, I'm trying to, I'm like thinking of, of ways to continue storylines we got from season one. Obviously, I would love to see more Captain Carter in a Cap Winter Soldier setting. Um, I really love that whole um, callback to the boat scene um, from the finale. I would love to see what if, what if um, Tony actually stayed retired, actually. That could be fun. Yeah. After I am president, in secretary of defense. Yep. That kind of more political run with Tony. That'd be yeah. Good. Assume him into a political role and and have the Avengers have to starve off threats 
on their own with Tony just being kind of a mentor from the sidelines. And Maybe. Uh, to round those off, since you mentioned political, um, and it just came to my head, what if Steve Rogers was president, man? We got a little tease, and I would just love to see the campaigns. I'd love to see, you know, uh, Ant-Man doing uh, commercials for him, just being like, if you're not voting for Steve Rogers, I don't know what you're doing. This dude is Captain America. It'd be funny. Um, so, yeah, what if Steve Rogers was president will be my number one. But I, there's a couple, man, that could be very fun to explore. What about you? A vote for Steve Rogers is a hashtag in the gun of your best man's Twitter. Um, so <laughs> – uh, I have an interesting one. It's kind of behind the curtain a little bit. It's, you know, a little more a level or two out of what if usually tries to tackle based on what we saw in season one. What if phase two had seven movies? And what if that seventh movie came after Ant-Man? And what if that movie was a Planet Hulk movie where we see Hulk land in Sakaar and become the champion, become the champion of Sakaar? How did we get to him? in Thor Ragnarok you know I think it that's one of my favorite comics I've ever read it's kind of a Planet Hawk situation we get to meet Korg we get to meet me we get to meet all the other amazing characters in that storyline maybe a little silver server surfer action um yeah so what if there was a Planet Hawk movie um in between Age of Ultron and Thor Ragnarok to kind of fill that gap a little bit I think that would be an amazing um chapter into what's one of the most if not the most unique uh character arcs in the mcu that's what i would go with moving on a little more what if cleanup that's kind of what this quick question is right um finley underscore w you know finley underscore dub finley underscore upside down m that dude um he says what if payoffs in pocket dimension so finley had a very very long um message to us we thank you so much finley you're an amazing uh listener on here we appreciate all your input he thinks that we were a little too hard on what if he or she, I'm sorry. Um, a little too hard on what if he specifically pointed out, um, you know, did Doctor Strange know that Killmonger was going to turn on him? And they needed that to happen to get the stones in the right spot. Um, also, he thought that we're not giving it enough credit for this pocket dimension thing and what that could mean moving forward as far as payoff and what we're going to see moving forward. To address that real quick, I think that the pocket dimension concept is one of the better concepts introduced in this show out of the handful of multiverse type concepts they introduced. That one has the most room to run. I think, I think the absolute point, is that what it was? Yes. So it was called, I think that was a little um, contrived a little bit. And, you know, there were some other things that kind of made it a little bit more difficult uh, for me to kind of wrap my head around the multiverse thing that already has had a, slow start explaining things but the pocket dimension i really liked i think our issues were more with the tone and the mission of what if you know something that a consistency problem right it, it, would i be right in saying that Lee? yeah absolutely and i think my my biggest issue with concepts like uh, a pocket dimension and, and all these other multiverse things going on is not so much that they shouldn't be introduced to the mcu they're cool concepts and i'm glad that we're getting into this multiverse phase of the mcu However, I like how the live action MCU kind of holds our hand, you know, mm -hmm. hey, here's a little bit up oh, uh, Spider-Man, no way home, uh, far from home. Are you saying there's a multiverse like plant that seed in your brain and then pull it back and then give you a little more and then pull it back. What if in like three, four episodes, all 30 minutes was like, here you go. It's everything. It's a dimension. It's just it's a lot right. at once. And it's like, yeah. even though it's cool concepts and I'd love to see them realized in live action. What if is is technically canon, but I, I do think that the lore they set up won't necessarily be completely required viewing. 
because I think when Foggy in, reintroduces these concepts into live action, it'll be dumbed down a lot more. It'll be slower. It'll be gradual. It'll, be, uh, it'll slowly progress and, and materialize over multiple movies rather than something like What If, where the last two episodes just kind of send a flurry of information real quick. And even for someone like me who tries my best to be an expert on this stuff, felt a little overwhelmed. We needed about 10, 15 more minutes on each of those last two episodes, I think. I think that really would have done well for the show. Um, but hey, Liam, while I agree with everything you said, Finley, in his comments, um, you know, kind of swayed me a little bit on the pocket dimension thing. Spider-Man No Way Home, the mysterious box, the, the Mario Cube that's in that thing. Looks a lot like what Strange is holding at the end of What If, right? That could be a pocket dimension. That could be a really cool vehicle to introduce all these different threats that maybe Dr. Strange was taking a hold of. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I, I really like that the payoff of the pocket dimension could come right away. Um, I don't think that does a lot for me. And what if it could retroactively, you know, retroactive MCU is my favorite MCU. Watched Age of Ultron yesterday on my flight. It was fantastic, mm -hmm. as always. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what the pocket dimension does right away. Probably... That's my most excited concept introduced in What If is the pocket dimension thing because I think it has a lot of utility um, in the multiverse story. We're going to try to get this next one in under three minutes. Nick, one, sent in a review a couple weeks ago. We didn't get to it last week. Thank you so much for doing that, Nick. And Nick, this is one of my favorite ones so far. Yes, sir. Uh, not, really, not really a What If cleanup, but um, you know, a What If scenario for me and Liam here. He's loving the sports comps, Liam. Nick is Nick one um, here on the direct podcast and damn it. So do we, it's one of my favorite things we do. So he asked, what if you could relive any five year time period to re-experience the sports in that time period, but also the comic book movies that came out during that time. His example seems to be a Pats fan. Um, he is picking the Pats dynasty from 14 to 18. That was the three and five, right? Yes. Yes. Three and five years. That was the Falcons and the, um, all those other ones. A loss to the Eagles in there, I think, right? Seahawks, uh, loss to the Eagles, Seahawks. and then wrap it up with a 12-3 victory over the LA Rams. Yeah, about that one. Um, so he wants to live that Pat's dynasty alongside basically phase three, but starting at age of Ultron. You know, phase three moves so quick. So Ultron starts basically the prelude to Civil War, which is what makes it so good. Mm -hmm. Civil War, Endgame, Ragnarok, all that. So he basically wants Phase 3 in that Pats dynasty. Liam, you know, you're the Pats fan here. Do you agree with uh, Nick's uh, statement here? Is that where you would go? No, actually, surprisingly. Hit me. I would go 03 to 07, specifically with the Red Sox, because I, I say relive because, I, I mean, I was alive, but I, I didn't get to experience the triumph of the 04 Red Sox. Matt, you got to feel the triumph of the 16 Cubs and from everything you've told me about it, it seems like one of the most special moments in sports. So as much as I love the Patriots dynasty and three and five uh, is special, it's more special when there's struggles along the way. So I'd love to kick off with an 03, <laughs> you know, the heartbreak uh, of losing to the Yankees on a walk-off bomb that, you know, in hindsight is great news because it eventually made Aaron Boone the coach, uh, the manager of the Yankees. And that's worked out wonderfully for everyone in Red Sox Nation here in 2021. Anyways, though, I'd love to be a part of that 04 vibe. You know, man, did that seem like a special team? Uh, I talk about my most watched movies ever. Avengers Age of Ultron, Star Wars Force Awakens, and Faith Rewarded, the story of the 2004 Boston Red Sox. I have watched that documentary probably 50 times. It is absolutely incredible. 
Um, and yeah, leading up to 07, it'd just be cool to experience 07 again. Cause I loved, I love seeing the Rockies sure. in the world series it was so random. The second half of this question, which is a lot uh, more, you know, relatable to our listeners of the podcast, which <laughs> phase would you want to re-experience? Uh, I feel like I'm going to kind of cheat here. I would love to be in present day Liam, present day roles, you know, myself and Matt be a part of the direct.com and relive phase one. Because man, would it be cool to be writing articles about, oh my God, Incredible Hulk, that's Cap Silhouette in the Ice from that deleted scene. That's Cap Silhouette and like, you know, Cap Shield and Iron Man too. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, that's exactly what I need. Like, uh, uh, steps up the what's it called? Like the big, uh, the the atom maker, the (laughs) The element creator. (laughs) Yeah. It would just be so much fun to have all the feverish speculation. I just imagine getting an article assignment or Matt and I hopping on the podcast, uh, hopping on these mics with that variety article, the infamous one of Thor, Thor takes risk, casts two wildly unknowns in lead roles. How would we react to Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston? getting put into these roles instead of like a proven A-list star. It would be really fun to be a part of this content space during phase one leading up to the first Avengers. And so, yeah, my, my two answers for that are two moments. I really didn't get to live to the fullest um, because I was kind of younger. So I'd love to be in present day mode with two things that clearly are very important uh, moments, very important dynasties in both my personal sports fandom and the giant fandom that is the MCU. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to let you know, I was a huge sports fan. Obviously, when I was nine, watching the 04 Red Sox was awesome. It was awesome. Have you ever seen Fever Pitch? Oh, yeah, of course. Alan. That's that's the story of the 04 Red Sox. That is your documentary right there, man. That's one of the greatest sports movies ever made. Um, I read this question a little differently. I thought it was trying to find a pocket of time that you know, you want to relive both the sports and the movies at the same time. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, Liam kind of alluded to it. I was not fortunate enough to never go more than three years without losing in my life. I've lost a lot from a sports standpoint. Um, my Colts haven't won since 06. My Pacers haven't won since I was born. And um, so I'm going to go back. You alluded to earlier. I'm not doing a five-year span. One year. <laughs> I want one year, and it's 2016. It's the greatest year of my life. I uh, started dating my now wife. I got to experience Captain America Civil War. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 started coming out, which introduced the greatest soundtrack of all time. Those nine songs are on every single playlist on my phone, without a doubt, no variance whatsoever. And then also I got to see the Cubs win the World Series for the first time in 108 years in what is arguably the greatest game of all time with the greatest team of all time. So that would be my choice. 2016, I mean, Civil War, perennial top five. Yep. And then the 2016 Cubs, arguably the greatest story in all sports, you know, rivaled maybe only by the 04 Red Sox. So um, that would be my kind of a cheat choice right there. And you get Doctor Strange towards the end. And I know you're a Rogue One guy. Oh, my God. I forgot Rogue Dude, Rogue One's incredible. Yeah, that's it. That's the answer. Uh, Batman versus Superman. Oh, and and Suicide Squad. Yeah. Okay. Suicide Squad gives it a hit. (laughs) <laughs> i'm excited about batman versus superman one of the most interesting movies ever made um and the introduction of the water woman theme song that should have been the gov theme song that year um so guys thank you so much for those quick questions guess what 
We have a lot more fan-generated questions coming up in our mailbag at the end of the show. But for right now, we've talked too much. Let's get into the top news right here to the Sizzle Room. Kicking things off with some Marvel news. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. We have our Adam Warlock. Director James Gunn confirmed that Will Poulter is set to star as the Omega-level hero in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and the internet is still recovered. It's a big one. It's officially Eternal Season. Marvel's latest ensemble-dominated news feeds this week has new featurettes, character posters, interviews, and much, much more flooded our social media feeds. We're in the fast lane to November 5th, and damn it, I'm excited. Is Bill Murray joining the MCU? A new casting list revealed that a photo double for the Ghostbusters star has been cast in, quote, Dust Bunny, which is the working title for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. If there is weight behind this, Murray will be joining a stacked ensemble that already includes Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, Jonathan Majors, and many, many more. Bill Murray and the MCU go Cubs. Two big WandaVision spinoffs may be on the way. Reports suggest that shows dedicated to both Catherine Hahn's Agatha Harkness and Town of Paris's Monica Rambeau are being developed by Marvel Studios. And I promise I will know Tiana Paris's name by the time that show comes. I love that. <laughs> Switching over to the blue brand. DC Fandom is this weekend. We have a new trailer for The Batman, dozens of star-studded panels, and more surprises expected for this weekend. For all of our DC Fandom reactions, look out for a bonus episode, the first bonus of Phase 2, dropping this weekend. It had to be DC Fandom. Uh, moving over to a galaxy far, far away, Mando is back this week season three of the mandalorian began filming with lead star pedro pascal and season one vet carl weathers returning to set we will have a ways to go but the ball has officially began and for more information on everything you need to know across all three universes you love check out the direct.com matt what about the people in the back that would be the direct.com Matt, there's only one story to start out with. It's why everyone tuned into the podcast for the first time in nine weeks. <laughs> it is going to headline the title of this episode rather than having a review at the top. We have our Adam Warlock. Oh, yeah. This has been one of the most heavily speculated roles for years, going back to 2017, going back to 2014, honestly, when the first Guardians movie came out, people were saying, when are we going to get Adam Warlock? I see a cocoon back there in the Thor, the Dark World post credit scene. That's got to be Adam. post credit scene of Guardians Volume 2, cocoon, I'll call him Adam. That's got to be Adam. When are we getting him? When's he coming? Well, we now know he is arriving in one of the two Guardians upcoming projects. It could be the holiday special. It could be volume three, but we do know a face that is going to be attached to that beautiful comic character. Adam Warlock is Will Poulter. Matt, <laughs> I just, I'm thinking a lot and I'm excited to get your reactions because you're the perennial Guardians guy here. Will Poulter is an interesting choice. And you know how married I have been to my fan cast. Before I get into those, I want to get your initial reactions. What do you think about Will Poulter as Adam Warlock? For those who don't know, Will Poulter is the Waterfalls kid from We Are the Millers back in 2015, I think. Um, if you haven't seen We Are the Millers, one of the funnier movies of our time, and Will Poulter absolutely steals the show. He's eyebrows, you know, the, the eyebrows guy. You know, you'll know him when you think of the eyebrows guy. Um, 
you know the fan cast things you know hate to spoil it but you know the the efrons the the uh, uh the kid from stranger things Baker this, the other Baker Montgomery um I I think that all those were visually you know we got to cast the most handsome kid in Hollywood right I think that Adam War this this casting suggests that Adam Warlock's gonna have more of an alien look than maybe some of the um older comic depictions that you see online you know he is the golden you know um omega omega level comic hero for those who don't know adam warlock basically immortal can teleport um control matter he's you know he is the best of the best in the original infinity saga you know the comic book that the infinity war and endgame was based on adam warlock kind of led the charge post snap after the snap adam warlock was the one who took charge and really led to the fall of thanos um so I think that uh, this casting is awesome. I think it's off the beaten path. I think it's unexpected. Um, you know, he is hilarious and we are the Millers, but he's also been in those big tentpole projects, Maze Runner, you know, had a great run for the first two movies. I never saw the third one. Um, I hope it's good. The first one's really good. Um, but um, he's great in those. And in Detroit, he played the sinister kind of racist cop um, with the MCU's own Tony Mackey. So he's got range. James Gunn has been a casting machine you know, people gave a lot of slack to Star-Lord Chris Pratt. Look how well that's turned out. Um, so I think that this leads to two things. One, this is going to be a very dynamic character who isn't going to shy away from the comedic beats of Guardians, like maybe we expected moving in. And two, I think that this suggests that he's not going to be the classically handsome um, golden alien that we've seen. He's going to be, he's going to have this glitz and glamour, much like the rest. Oh, what's the name of that race? Tell me. Um, oh, the the... It's like not, oh, not this is bad. Not um, like the Aisha. Aisha is her name. Oh, Sovereign. The Sovereign. Um, oh, I knew you. it. I knew it was that, you. Like, uh, that was a team effort right there. Yeah. Team effort. Thank you. Um, so he's gonna be a sovereign. He's gonna have the golden skin. He's gonna look great. He's gonna have the hair and everything. I think he's gonna have more black around his eyes. I think he's gonna have a more extravagant costume as opposed to the more like all gold subdued sovereign looks we've seen. I'm excited about it. Um, I've never not trusted James Gunn with anything. So I'm I'm pretty jacked that this is the route that they're taking, and um, I can't wait to see Will Poulter break out. This is instant breakout candidate right here. You know, in a very big way. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. Um, not not in the way you might think. I think he's going to be hot, man. I think oh. he's going to be handsome. Okay. I think he's going to be okay. quite attractive. And the reason nice. why I say this is because you bring up Where the Millers. Fun fact, Where the Millers, the first R-rated movie I ever saw in the theaters. Saw it with so my funny. mom in Ireland <laughs> where it was rated like 15 and up. And man, was it awkward. Man, yeah. was that something I will never do again, even as I am a full-fledged adult now. But him and Where the Millers... Yeah, eyebrows, buzz cut, you know, a little, little quirky looking so guy. Good. Latest headshots of him that have been making the rounds when they attach to these casting uh, reports. Pretty handsome kid. Pretty yeah. handsome kid. So I, I do think that he will kind of evolve into, you know, an A-list looker um, when, he, when he dons the gold skin and has a little bit of a longer hair. There are some movies I definitely want to catch up on when it comes to his work, though, because John Campia, I feel like I say his name a lot. He was touting Detroit as amazing. Matt put it in the rundown here. Haven't seen that movie, but apparently his chops are are what convinced Campia that he is a good fit for this role, which makes me just want to catch up on his work. Same reason why I want to watch Nomadland before Chloe's out, not before, before Eternals. Not because it has any connection to Eternals, but because it's Chloe's out's previous work and it's, you know, arguably her most impressive. 
Same with Detroit for Will Poulter. Kind of want to do my research on on the talents behind the role behind the the director's chair rather than catch up on the on the connective tissue lore. But yeah, overall, there's another movie uh, on Netflix, Bandersnatch, the net the Black Mirror yeah. interactive special that I thought he was very very good in. It was really cool to see him in because I remember that was one of those moments where I was like, oh hey, it's the kid from uh, Where the Millers. And now I'll look back on that and go, oh my god, that's Adam Warlock. So. You know, as Matt alluded to, I was very married to either Dacre Montgomery or Zac Efron taking the role. And then whoever you don't cast there, you cast as Human Torch because yeah, you can't so. go wrong there. <laughs> still, still holding out hope that one of those two uh, becomes the MCU's Johnny Storm. But at the same time, I'm not upset with this Will Poulter casting. You know, the MCU, like Sarah Finn was involved in this casting choice. And she does not miss, Matt. She mm -hmm. does not miss. She pulls up from the logo and she swishes it every yep. single time. So I, I'm very excited to see our first look at Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. I'm excited to see, to see some concept art come out in the coming months, you know, weeks, years. Um, and one final question I'll give you about this news before we talk about some other Marvel stuff. Do you think we get him debuting in the holiday special, which would arrive around Christmas next year? Or do you save him for Guardians 3 in, I believe, May of 2023? I'm on the fence with that one. Um, I, I, I feel like I'll be better equipped to answer this question once I see some sort of teaser for the Guardians special, likely to come out on Disney Plus Day, something I don't think we've talked about. Um, it's going to be a Disney Plus project, am I right? Yeah, but Disney Plus Day is still a year out. What? Did you say a trailer would come out on Disney Plus Day? Not a trailer, just maybe a first look or oh, some, sort oh, of, yeah. some sort of logo reveal. Something um, something that kind of hints toward the tone of what this special is going to be. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, a, a very, very, very early first look, which you know they have at this point. You know, Guardians yeah. is in pre-production, so the holiday special must be in some sort of visual concept stage. Um um, I think that it'd be interesting to introduce him there if it's like a silly, meant-to-be-one-off holiday special. A true holiday special is just lighthearted and fun, right? But um, maybe it's a post credit scene of the holiday special where it's a Pulp Fiction situation. You know, we don't see him. We don't even see Aisha, maybe. Maybe a gold glow uh, that, you know, strikes some terror in the faces of somebody that we know. Um, something like that. But I think it's Guardians 3. I think he's going to be the crux of the movie. Um, I think that it's going to be really interesting, uh, you know, to see this anti-hero, not antagonist, not villain, anti-hero. I think we will get Killmonger vibes. You know, we'll get to know Adam Warlock as the antagonist of this movie in the same way we got to know Killmonger or a Thanos, etc. Um, so um, I can't wait to see it. Can I ease your casting mind real quick? Yeah. Efron is Human Torch, Jacob Montgomery, Wolverine. Boom. Ooh, I, there's your cast. I really there's like how that. you pivot mentally, I think, to get your boys in the MCU. I really love that. Before we move on to the next story, I did want to give one last tidbit about the Adam Warlock news. Uh, some stuff that did make the rounds on Twitter was this was one of the most sought after roles in Hollywood among really? numerous stars, which I think is fascinating because Adam Warlock right now is not mainstream. Right now, mm -hmm. present day, the name Adam Warlock needs a little explanation to most people who follow film. A couple years down the line, it will be Iron Man. It will be Captain America in terms of ingrained in our brains and pop culture. But it's really cool to see that these like A-list talent, you know, up and coming actors. Will Poulter is on the younger side. So clearly a lot of younger actors were seeking this role. 
And it's cool to see that they're doing their research and their agents are saying, hey, Marvel has one of the biggest rules coming up soon. You're going to want to look into this. And I, I would love to hear about the audition process because we hear all about the various people who auditioned for Captain America, for Thor, for Tony Stark. I would love to see what other names uh, made their way into uh, the director's room, the creative room, uh, to read some lines alongside uh, some Guardians, most likely. Uh, let's move on to another story from the Marvel world. A Matt Remke special this week. First we go Guardians, then we go WandaVision. Pretty broad with this question um, because it seems like Agatha is happening. That was reported by Variety. It has some traction behind it. I think it makes sense. As for Monica Rambeau, I think that that's still more early development. Not sure if it will completely land yet. Matt, my question to you is pretty simple. Do we need these WandaVision spinoffs? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we Both. definitely do. Absolutely. Okay. Sure. Why not? I mean, we're at a point where uh, Zai Ling from Shang-Chi, you know, she's going to get spinoff. And while I'm excited for Ten Rings, don't get me wrong, it's not like anybody, like, if before that post credit scene, it wasn't an obvious, oh, they're going to do a Ten Rings spinoff. You know, that's definitely what they're going to do. But they made it interesting. They made it cool. I think that it's going to be the... These are two very these are two very different IPs. I think I don't think these are both true WandaVision spinoffs. Yes, we got reintroduced to Monica Rambeau in WandaVision, but she was introduced in Captain Marvel. She's a main title character in the Marvels Captain Marvel two coming out next year. I think that by the time we get to Monica Rambeau's spinoff, either be a Disney Plus series or a movie, whatever it might be, she will be cemented as more of an MCU cosmic character as opposed to a multiverse team member like a Agatha Harkness, WandaVision magic side of it is. Um, so the Monica Rambeau show, I can't speak on too much just because we haven't seen uh, her in the Marvels yet. We haven't seen the next stage of that character. We know we're going to before this show. Um, so I'm excited to see where that goes. Photon's the name of the show, right? One of those two. It's going to be a dope logo. We're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. Um the Agatha Harkness one, I think, is more interesting because we don't know the future of Agatha Harkness. You know, we we have to see WandaVision go through. We have, sorry, we have to see Wanda go through some shit before Agatha starts reintroducing into the narrative because those two are so tied together. I think that an Agatha Harkness spinoff will kind of be a you know a tall tale kind of situation. You know, the magic of the MCU, I think, could be explained and elaborated on in an Agatha Harkness spinoff show, a la Loki. You know, we got a lot of multiverse and, you know, just kind of time and how everything works, exploration and Loki, not as much as I wanted personally. But um, I think that the Agatha Harkness series could do a good job refound, you know, foundationing the magic of the MCU a little bit, especially after everything we're about to see. I think Billy and Tommy are going to play a big part in that series. I think that could be a big case. You know, they need a babysitter, right? Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I will know a little bit more going in, obviously, but I think both of them have very unique and different opportunities to enhance the overall narrative, Monica Rambeau more so in a lead role type of way. Absolutely. I, I think the, the Monica Rambeau spinoff is more of a Captain Marvel spinoff than a WandaVision spinoff. And I say that because even though she was introduced in WandaVision, She's really going to hit the stride in, in Captain Marvel 2, the Marvels, excuse me. So I, I think that the, the vibe we would get from a Monica Rambeau spinoff would be more similar to the Marvels tone than vibes we get from WandaVision. The Agatha Harkness spinoff, I'm kind of mixed emotions about because 
I don't know how much we need it, but at the same time, going with the mentality that the Rambo spinoff is more of a the Marvels um esh lore. I want I want an excuse to go back to the WandaVision lore, you know? Yeah. And we're not getting season two, nor should we. It was a perfect one series, one season, limited series, bow tie from episode one to episode nine. You don't need to force a season two and, and you know uh re it would just kind of be a retelling of what we got in season one with a couple more twists and turns getting agatha hans uh hark uh, agatha back is a way to kind of go back into that lore because when we last leave her she is in westview she is trapped you know a series dedicated to her character means we're going back to westview means we might get flashbacks to salem (laughs) stuff like that like uh, i'm all in on the potential to go back to this world i do think you have to tread lightly when it comes to having such a full-fledged villain in your lead role. But Liam, what about Loki? I Loki went through a full redemption arc before that, se- before that series came out. But Liam, it's the Loki from 2012. Yes, but he was also caught up on his life. He was debriefed in episode one, you know, the first 30 minutes. Catherine Hahn is pretty evil right now. Present yeah. day MCU, she's a pretty bad dude, you know? So how do we navigate the waters with her? Do we do we really need to do the whole anti-hero thing again with with almost all of our villains? I don't think so. I'd be I'd be cool with Agatha kind of wreaking havoc and having someone stand opposite her who's more of a hero and she's still a full-fledged evil witch. But that said, I have faith in Marvel Studios. I have faith, obviously, in, in their vision to tell good stories, to tell worthy stories. And so even though I have hesitancies and this does kind of seem like spinoffs galore, I'm optimistic. Yeah, it, I, that's why I'm hoping and thinking that's going to be more of a vehicle than anything else, a vehicle to tell a specific story. It just so happens to be a very likable, funny character. Agatha Harkness is that vehicle. Um, are you more excited for the Ten Rings spinoff or the Agatha Harkness spinoff? Oh, Ten Rings. Easy. Ten Rings for sure. Because the Ten Rings, I, I know what you're saying about how, you know, it. no one really wanted it or expected it until that post credit scene. But when that post credit scene hits, you realize there's a lot of story to tell. Like the Ten Rings, we've only scratched the surface when it comes to their placement in the MCU. In Marvel Comics, they're one of the biggest organizations on the page. And it's like, there's so much killing off Wenwu, uh, killing off the Mandarin, left me feeling a little let down because I was saying, you know, I want to see more of the Ten Rings. I want to see more of that organization. And, you know, same, same group, different leadership, more hip, more modern it's going to be fun. And Xia Ling as a character, like I said, favorite character leaving Shang-Chi. Do I need a full series dedicated to her? Not necessarily. However, do I need a full series dedicated to the Ten Rings? I think so. I got you. I got you. Right on. Well, um, I'm excited for all of it. <laughs> I'm being completely honest with you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I do think that there's a chance that this maybe gets a little out of hand, but I have adored, outside of Loki, I think, how they've treated these Disney Plus series as true spinoffs. They are they are supplemental stories to the movies. WandaVision was that. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was that to a T. I think What If played that role. And, um, you know, Loki definitely had more grandstanding than those other two. But um, I'm, I'm just really excited to have the opportunity to just deepen the foundation, which will make these big movies even better. Matt, remember those quick questions off the top? Yeah. Those were fun. Yeah. We should answer more. Let's do it. Let's do a mailbag. You 
you've got mail. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the mailbag. We answer questions delivered by you guys through Twitter, through Instagram stories, through iTunes reviews. We cannot thank you guys enough for wanting to be a part of this show. And, uh, you know, Liam, you, you're you're the guy who's spearheaded mailbag since day one. Fan-generated content is the content I am here for. So um, are you excited? I'm excited. Are you excited? Yeah, I love, I love interacting with the people. The people mm-hmm. are the show. We are the people. people. Are the show. That's right. We are the world. We are the children. Starting off with a question from Instagram. Yasin Farshad asks, what do we need to know about Eternals before it comes out? Liam, I'll take this one. Pretty simple. Chloe Zhao, Academy Award winner and the director of the Eternals, actually answered this question in a recent interview. She said, the film completely stands alone. If you know that half the universe disappeared and came back, that is all you need to know to watch this film. But what happens in this film will have huge implications on the future. So, Yassine Fashad and everybody wondering, prep for Eternals, know what happens in Endgame. And if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you do. So that would be your answer for that. Liam, I'm going to move on to number two. You know what I mean? Get the ball rolling. This is the direct podcast. Phase two. Professionals here. Now, Dahugo yep, um, asked on Instagram, what is the connection between the Eternals and the Deviants? That's a that's a interesting question because I don't think it's exactly the same in the comics as it is in the movies. Liam, I want to ask you. Based on the trailers, based on what you've the information you've been presented with, what do you think the relationship between the Eternals and Deviants will be in this movie? So I'm going to kind of go my Greek mythology route, as I like to do sure. when it comes to Eternals talk. Um, the gods, you know, created humans, but they also messed up a couple times and they created monsters. They created Cyclopses and and other mythological monsters that I can't think of right now because we're sure. recording this semi in the morning and my brain's Medusa. not full capacity. Medusa, Medusa's there. Um, more of the, the <laughs> hundred-handed ones, the ones who had like a bunch of hands coming out of their torso and whatnot. Um, and the vibe I get from Eternals is the Eternals were created by the Celestials. They are the perfect beings. They are, you know, God's favorite children, essentially, when it comes to uh, the Greek gods creating humans, the Celestials created the Eternals. But they also messed up a little bit in the creation process. They created the Deviants, similar to how the Greek gods created monsters. And for that reason, that's the kind of comparison I'm getting. But at the same time, the Deviants, (laughs) the Deviants don't exactly look like a match for the Eternals in the sense that they're huge, man. They're big. Yeah. Like they messed up big time. Like they went and they ordered supersized monsters. So I think that connection, you know, I don't have a ton of confidence in it, but I, I think it's a, a b- good ground zero for the relationship between Deviants and Eternals. And it checks out with the comic book lore. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head from a grand spectrum kind of situation. The Celestials, kind of used earth as an experiment situation show me what you got and um you know they created the good they created the bad and the good the role of the good the eternals is to protect the humans the middle from the bad the deviants um and you know you mentioned how the eternals are obviously humanoid beings and they look like humans with special powers maybe the gods just enhanced a couple of humans whereas the deviants look like big giant alien monsters um, it recently came out in a report that all of these guys are from a planet called Olympus as opposed to a space above the world called Olympus. So, yeah, that's exactly what Liam wanted to hear this morning. He just got excited. Um, but the deviants looking like monsters, not looking like humans at all, checks out with the comics. You know, that's what it is, right? And there's even 
some you know historical comic knowledge that Thanos ever heard of him um is actually half deviant half eternal or some part deviant that's why he looks the way he looks Thanos actually looks a lot like the comic accurate deviants from the old Jack Kirby runs um and the next question from Prin Vibare nope uh Prin Vimbare Prin Vimbare Damn right whatever um print van bamaray too sorry about that um he's asking and rumors have supported this are we going to see a younger thanos in eternals i just mentioned there is comic connections between all these people um it would explain thanos's amazing power throughout the world if he was half eternal half deviant he's got all the powers of the eternals but none of the morality behind it shout out druid um i think that um I think that we will see a younger Thanos. I don't think it'll be a big prominent situation. I don't think it's going to be something that steals the show in any way. But um, I want to propose a question to you, I guess, here off this question, Liam. The snap, Thanos erasing half the universe, really seems to be the driver as to why Salma Hayek or whoever is gathering the Eternals back. Something happened, the convergence or something along those lines? Emergence, I think emergence convergence is toward dark world right yeah yeah sure is um <laughs> i think that something happened after the snap directly after the snap something happened to cause the deviants to run wild and sam hayek to be like all right gotta get the band back together we're getting another get the band back together scene i can't wait um thanos being a part of that i don't think is an accident i think that maybe the eternals sam hayek the Celestials maybe might feel responsible for what happened because Thanos was derived from this lore. So I think that we'll see it in a flashback situation. Um, I don't think it's going to steal the show in any way, but um, think uh, the dark side explanation at the beginning of uh, the Snyder cut. Remember where it's kind of a flashback to the first look at the um, uh, life equation being embedded into earth. Um, I think we're going to get something similar to that in the beginning of this movie where, you know, Thanos did this, but where did Thanos come from? These guys. Also came from these guys, Eternals. I think it's going to be very cool. Yeah, two two responses to this question. I do think we see a younger Thanos. Uh, the, Thanos the creator of Thanos said in articles and r- interviews previously that um, he was like briefed on Eternals or he had to sign off on Eternals, which everyone was kind of piecing together. Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin. Uh, that was the name I had in my head too. I should have ran. Yeah. Um, no, so I, I do think we do get a younger Thanos, even if it is a non-speaking role, even if we just see him just right. kind of look up in the background or something. The connection, not the connection, excuse me, the the vibe of Thanos and his connection to the Eternals re-emerging um, in the MCU, I think there's a very interesting way to play this. If you do make Thanos half deviant half eternal which is a, a bit i believe a a deviation from the comics right because he's cap he's part scroll in the comics that's why he's got the chin it's comics there's a bunch of variations of it but sure. the deviants in the comics do have a similar chin sure so if yeah. you are going to play around with his heritage i think that can be there a very fun way to you, like have a flashback to end game era stuff infinity war era stuff where the Eternals are ready to interfere, but it's a gray area because they're only allowed to interfere if Deviants are involved. But is Thanos full Deviant? That's where it gets a little murky. Does it cancel out if he's half Deviant, half Eternal? It could be very fun. So I think Thanos will have 
somewhat of a past role in this film. I don't think he will be a driving force. He won't be part of the main plot, but I do think that his, his status um, will be addressed in Eternals, his past status. It's going to be interesting because this is a two-part situation. It's going to be roughly 40% in the past, roughly 60% in the now. Where do we see Thanos will be a big part of it? I can't wait. I think it's going to be so exciting. Um, keeping with the Eternal stuff, we got a lot of that. Obviously, it's the hot hotness right now. Um, Jack Suchland on Instagram asked, how big of a role will Black Knight, for those who don't know, Dane Whitman, played by Kit Harrington, how big of a role will Black Knight have in upcoming MCU movies? Liam, it was recently announced that we will not see Dane Whitman pick up the Ebony Sword and become the time-traveling warrior that is the Black Knight in this movie. He's simply a character, probably uh, the audience uh, guide through this story, right? He's going to be the us in this one, I think, and I think that's really exciting, uh, a la Aquafina and um you know i guess loki and loki he's the us learning everything along with everybody um you know he's going to be black knight eventually how big of a role do you think he plays in the upcoming movie or is this a setup for a spinoff situation you read my mind uh upcoming movies i don't know if he i don't know where he pops up again aside from like an eternals 2 but i think he's prime for a spinoff series i think we do get a black knight spinoff series and even if that character isn't necessarily the flashiest name currently Kid Harrington doing a streaming series for a major streaming platform is going to do gangbusters for Disney Plus subscribers. And yeah, sign me up. I'm very excited about it. Um, For those who don't know, the Black Knight, Dan Whitman, he picks up this ebony sword, this very, you know, powerful ancient sword carried by Black Panther and Cap and all these other people in the past in the comic books. Um, It's a time traveling situation, though. And um, I'm excited to see that because imagine... A Black Knight series, Kit Harrington starring Dave Whitman as a Black Knight. Basically, Assassin's Creed meets the MCU. Oh. Like, come on, man. That's as good as it gets. Um, I can't wait to see it. He is my number one candidate for post-credit scene in Eternals. You know, him finding the Ebony Sword or being approached by somebody much like Shang-Chi and Wong at the end of that movie. I think that he's my number one candidate for one of the post-credit scenes. And um, I'm actually going to lock that bet in right now. If there's a place to wager it, let us know. Um, we should start that comic book sports book. Be dope. Be dope. Um, yeah, so that's my uh, number one contender for uh, post-credit scene in the Eternals. Moving on. Uh, last Eternals question, Liam. This is this is a Liam special as far as uh, stakes and uh, you know what what could happen. The Eternals, all powerful beings, immortal in a lot of ways. Captain Marvel vibes surrounds this movie, um, not in a bad way. I find myself as a Captain Marvel apologist lately, um, but you know there are beings more powerful than Captain America. That's just something we have to deal with. Thor is not the only Omega level character we know anymore. And there's a lot of them and we need to develop stakes for those characters, right? It always looks like Thor can get hit as much as he wants and he'll shake it off. That's fine. Um, man. Oh, the multiverse saga on Instagram asks, can you predict one Eternals character to die in this movie? Liam, I'll let you take it away from the stakes argument. Yeah. Athena, Angelina Jolie. What? I, 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 I don't see her being a franchise player with Marvel. Not in a bad way. I would just be, I'd be surprised if she signed like a six picture deal with Marvel. But I, why? <laughs> like, okay, do I want her to die? No, not necessarily. Do I think her character is going to, do I think her character, if I read all the character names, Thena is going to die? No, not necessarily. The, the industry thinker in me comes in and I think of a name like Angelina Jolie wanting to do a Marvel movie as a lot of people want to do. 
but not wanting to commit to it being her life for the next, you know, maybe 10 years. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, exactly. We don't expect Hella to ever come back. Um, and she got her one film and everyone uh, loved her in the role. So I think we could see the same thing happen here with Angelina Jolie. She gets her Marvel spotlight. But if you're going to have stakes, man, killing off your biggest A-list star in, in, your, uh, in your first movie, I think, certifies that. And I'm not going to, you know, put all my chips in on the table, but I'm, I'm fairly confident Athena's not making, out, making it out of this one. Sprinkle on that one. Uh, sacrificial death, I assume, right? Yes. That yes. sort of situation. Man, she looks good in those trailers, doesn't she? Yeah. Man, I grew up on Angelina Jolie. I'm so excited to see her back in a blockbuster role. Really, and like it's, it's blonde like, Angelina Jolie. I know it's gonna be great. One of the forgotten action stars of my time, you mm-hmm. know, Angelina Jolie. People forget. Um, my bet's gonna be some high. It's gonna be um, uh, uh, Ajax. I think that um, look at the costumes. You look at kind of the positioning here. Icarus, obviously the battle leader, the 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 general of the Eternals. Tom Hanks, Ajax, the spiritual leader of the two. They both have the blue in their costume. Every Eternal has a different color and different color pattern. They both have that blue and gold. Salma's is a little more um, navy. Icarus is a little more of a royal blue. Um, I think that there's a dual leadership happening, and uh, part of the movie will be about Ajax kind of passing on the torch of the leader of the Eternals. And I think seriously can be involved in that, you know, being as powerful and as tied into Icarus as she is. Um, but Honestly, I don't think, I'm not sure any of them are going to die, but I think that there's going to be some incapacitation happening um, near the end of this one because, you know, do all 10 characters move on um, to tying into the rest of the MCU? We expect Icarus and Cersei to be an Avenger at some point. You know what I mean? That's a comic, you know, background. There's a possibility there for sure. Um, But all 10, that's a lot. I know Guardians had, what, seven characters move into Infinity War? Nebula, Gamora. Chris Pratt, Groot, Rocket, um, Mantis, Drax, Mantis. Yeah, it's seven. Yeah. So that's a lot. Um, obviously, they had two movies to do it. But um, yeah, 10 is a good amount. I don't know if any of them are going to die, but I like both of our picks. I would say those are my top two options as well. Well, Druid. We'll see what happens with Druid. He might, he might end up popping off the team and being a narrative death, which, you know, you got to kill the bad guy, right? Not everything can be Friday Night Lights. Um, so guys, that's been our Eternals questions. Liam, I'm going to let you read the next one. All right. Who is the villain in Doctor Strange 2? It oh. from, I see what you did there. He, he passed along one of the most difficult usernames <laughs> to me. And let's try. Kara Giannis Latouris. Ah, that's really yeah. close to the other one. <laughs> kind of split. I split it up. I split it up into segments. I really apologize if I butchered uh, your name there. Uh, Kara. I'm going to assume it's Kara. That is Giannis in the middle, though. Giannis, yeah. yeah. Shout out Greek Freak. Go Bucks. That's right. Um, who is the villain in Doctor Strange 2? There's a lot of options here on the table. You know, you got your Scarlet Witch. You got your Baron Mordo. You got yeah. your big tentacle creature whose name is... Shuma Gothra. Shuma, Shuma Gorath. Shuma Gorath, like I said. Or Strange Supreme. There's a lot of options on the table, Matt. Uh, I feel like it's going to be your girl, though. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be some moving pieces here. I think that, um, you know, Wanda might not start as a villain, but be forced with a difficult decision, which we've seen she does not handle well. Um, and, you know, kind of move from that. America Chavez is going to play a big role here, and maybe she introduces Shuma uh, Gorath. Um, already been introduced in What If in a very big way. Um, twice, actually, in both the Captain Carter episode and episode four. 
um, the Doctor Strange, Strange Supreme. Can't you know this? This is a question you can't really answer until after No Way Home, right? You know, we, for as much as we've seen Doctor Strange in the MCU with Infinity War and Thor Ragnarok and What If Now, we really don't know where he's at narratively or mentally. And I think that No Way Home is going to more than any other MCU movie really do a lot of the groundwork for the next one. Multiverse of Madness is after No Way Home. I think those two are going to be paired together for life. You know, it's a part one, part two situation. And um, I love that Spider-Man's in the middle of it because if any Earthbound character is going to be a part of this story, it's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. People people want to criticize, well, you know, what about the neighborhood stuff? It's what I want. I hope we get it. I think it's going to be a big part of this movie. Spider-Man is one of the most universal, multiversal, like, you know, Spider-Man does space shit too. And I think it's going to be interesting just to see where strange lands. Shumagorath seems like the um, utilitarian bad guy. You know, he's the, he's the big boss. He's the one you got to fight. Yes. Yes. The searcher. Excellent comp right there where you'll, you'll have your hello, rather it be Wanda or Baron Mordor or um, uh, strange Supreme. Ooh, what about uh, Mordor Supreme? Ooh. Be sick. Um, Uh, Got him. Everybody. I got him. Um, you know, the, I think it'll be a combo situation, much like Doctor Strange one, um, with uh, um, uh, Mads Mikkelsen and uh, Dormammu, um, as well. Um, that's a good question, though. I, I'm excited to see who finds out. I think we do need to wait a little bit. Um, Ghosty Boy seven eight one two ask on Instagram: When does the second No Way Home trailer come out? I believe it was confirmed to be either the last week of October or the first week of November from RPK, right? Yeah, I, I think we get this one probably uh, sometime between now and like December 16th. For being shit. <laughs> yeah. um, I just, I, I'm, I'm messing. I, I just, the speculation I think is hilarious on Twitter where everyone's feverishly citing sources that most likely have no grounds not saying rpk doesn't have any grounds i i didn't see his tweet but i i see fan accounts all the time saying sources are saying it's gonna come i'm just like the first trailer was so good i don't need a second trailer personally i'm looking forward to it if it comes out but uh, i'm not someone who's feverishly looking for when it is going to arrive but i think you know probably probably give me one week after eternals that's what i'll go with one week after Eternals. Let Eternals eat first. I think it opens Eternals. I think I think uh, we get it a week before Eternals, and I think it plays in front of the movie. Um, I think that's marketing-wise, I think that's the best way to go about it. I think with the whole Venom thing, they have a lot of room to give away some, but not a lot. And um, so my prediction would be a week before Eternals. Soon, though, is the answer. Um, within the next 30 days, I would guess, because we're 60 days out <laughs> from uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is a crazy thing to think about. Moving on to a, a Guardian situation. Liam, you asked, are we going to get Adam Warlock in the Christmas special or Volume 3? Um, Adam Warlock is you know, the next big MCU cosmic character to be introduced, but the one after him, that's Nova. It's the one everybody's been wanting. It's the one everybody's been craving for a uh, Kamala Khan-esque popularity run for Nova. You know, It's uh, in the past 15 years kind of thing. Um, he's a huge part of the Annihilation run, which is one of the best MCU cosmic runs in Marvel Comics. So, Liam, do you think that we get a tease of Nova um, in this next Guardians phase? Or do you think that it's going to either be somewhere else or down the line? Where, where do you think we're getting Nova uh, tidbits? 
a tease, yes, a tease feels appropriate, but I would be a little surprised if, you know, they've been so patient with introducing Adam Warlock. You know, a lot of people thought we would get him in Guardians 2, and really he was just the crux of the post-credit scene. One of four post-credit scenes, actually. That was a packed, packed uh, credits for, for Guardians 2. I would be surprised if we see him in the flesh in Guardians 2. I think a sneaky place he could debut um, is the Marvels. You know, you yeah. want to talk about uh, space franchises with the MCU. I don't know a ton about the character. I know Brandon Davis loves him. So, you know, here's hoping BD makes his way into the MCU. But I, I feel like he almost lends himself more to the Marvels in the sense that the vibe I get is he's more militaristic, right? Like he's part of an army. He's like a leader in that sense, as opposed to Guardians, where it's crazy powers and everything. And Adam Warlock, Omega level, level being, correct me if I'm wrong, but can Nova really stand toe to toe with Adam Warlock? Well, Nova has that X factor in comic books. It's the speed, you know, you know, the flash quicksilver, uh, Macri coming up, man. I love that shot. I love that gift from Macri. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Um, the speedsters always have that X factor where, you know, they can go toe to toe with anybody as long as they get to them. Because if, if Barry Allen hits you, you're going down. It's just a fact. Um, uh, so Nova has that um, X factor, but in more of a space situation, much like Captain Marvel can fly at the speed of light like a photon blast. Um, the reason I agree with you from the character aspect, the reason that uh, Nova has been so tied to the Guardians is because Nova is a part of the Nova Corps, mm-hmm. who is the army from Xandar from Guardians 1. So he's like good closest number one leader. So it's going to be interesting to see how they introduce him. But I agree with you that I don't think it has to be Guardians. The MCU has done so well introducing surprise characters and weird random projects that you would never think that they're going to be in, but it really ties into the next movie. MCU Cosmic has grown past Guardians. You know, Guardians, it started with Thor, but Guardians really brought MCU Cosmic to life. You know, having 98% of the movie take place in space, you know, unlike Thor and Thor Dark World, where it was more of a 60 to 70 situation. Um, but I do think the Marvels would be a really interesting place to do it. Um, we could also see them in Thor Love and Thunder, you know, basically anywhere where there's space, Nova could be flying around. So I'm really excited to see what they do. I think, like you said, let Eternals eat. I think they'll let Adam Warlock eat a little bit. But this MCU Cosmic roster is growing, and I love it. I cannot wait to see what Shield uh, Sword does yep. from an Earth-based situation um, heading into MCU Cosmic. I'm excited to see, um, you know, uh, Brant and all these other amazing space characters we haven't seen. Silver Surfer is going to happen, and you know, it's yeah. probably going to be an Avengers movie. But you know, to set that up, the MCU Cosmic roster has to be. Uh, more solidified even more than already is so i can't wait to see that happen um let's try to make this one quick because we could talk all day our boy caleb garnett and og on the game um thank you master cookie uh he sends in a question on twitter name a character from each brand you relate to the most liam who would it be for you real quick i think it's gar garrett not garnett yeah garrett garnett i think you know kevin garnett anything is possible that's true. I just want to give him respect because he's he's one of our OGs, you know? He's, he's, he's the guy. A, he's a day Listen, one listener. I type Caleb Garnett. Caleb yeah. Garnett. It's Master Cookie. It's Master, I mean, Cookie. Master Cookie. Yeah, change your avatar back, by the way. I miss <laughs> I, I miss the cookie. <laughs> we all miss the cookie. Um, The, the three characters, I'll, I'll try to go quick with this one. Um, For Marvel, Steve Rogers, Um, like even just, you know, not even saying like I relate to him. I, 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 I embody <laughs> his like characteristics, but I strive to. You know, it's in my bio on the direct.com. 
his work ethic, his loyalty, his his unwavering just marriage to his beliefs, regardless of what anyone else tries to interfere and tell him which way he should go. Um, he's someone I, I look up to, I guess. It, it's not so much that I I embody him or I relate to him, but I I'd like to be him. You know, there are yeah. there are moments where you know you're having a bad day. What would Cap do? Cap Cap would put his head down, he would trudge forward, and he would come out a better man. So Cap for uh Marvel, <laughs> very opposite here. I'm gonna go Kylo Ren for, uh, for Star Wars. Um, Kylo Ren just wants to just wants to at the end of the day, even though he's got vengeance, right? He just wants to kind of do make his family like proud, not necessarily in the way that they're going to be happy that he's taking over the galaxy, but he he wants them to recognize like I'm somebody. I'm not just, you know, whatever. And, you know, we all we all want to prove to our family that we're somebody and that our, our dreams mean something. And so, you know, my dreams are not taking over the, the galaxy, but they, they are things that, you know, I, I think some people will will cast aside sometimes. So. I'll leave you a little vague with that one. And then DC, um, I don't know, I guess Aquaman. <laughs> he's fun. Why is that, Liam? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. He's been through a lot of shit, but he still comes out smiling lives, all the time. Lives on the coast. Yep. Lives he's got great hair. Great hair. You have hair. awesome hair as well. I think and that's a good spot. I, I like to swim. So. Yeah. <laughs> bit, yeah. We, all, we all remember the not backflip um, at the quarry that one day. You, you know, he didn't I, nail that wall run, though. Your boy put you on blast. <laughs> I, uh, I'll i be back. I'll be back next summer Yep. for the yep. next No Way Home trailer premiering August 2022. That's right. Liam Crowley in the Lost Kingdom. My answer is going to be simple. Um, You know, it's it's Star-Lord of Tom Solo. It's Deadpool. No, oh, wait, no, Deadpool's Marvel. <gasps> Who's my DC character? That's a good question. I'm going to say uh, Shazam. Cheetah. It was dope though. Um, uh, I'm gonna yeah. say Shazam. So Star Lord, obviously, I, 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 honest to God, think that character was written for me. Um, you know, the music, the family, wanting to have a good time. Really, um, I love Star Lord in that realm. Um, uh, Han Solo. Um, I've, I've been obsessed with Han Solo since I was a kid. Um, you know, just too cool for school. I don't. I, I'm not a, by no means, am I a too cool for school kind of guy. But I am all about you know, going with the flow and, you know, just letting what happens happens. Don't let anything uh, dictate your decisions. It's very Han Solo. And then um, who'd I say? It's tough. Shazam. Uh, Shazam. Shazam. Uh, you know, kid at heart. I, I, I think kid at heart is one of my favorite, you know, ideologies. And that's who I relate to the most from the DCEU, which is a tough one. Last, uh, no. Yeah. Last Marvel question really quick. Do you think we see Ultron again after what if he is my number one candidate for a return? villain in the mcu liam yeah absolutely it would be a, a waste of potential if we don't get him back i think he is prime candidate just because i'm dreaming for it uh to star opposite the young avengers i think that's a great conflict for our our adolescent earth's mightiest heroes riri is gonna have a good time with ultron i think that'll be really fun moving on to the blue brand with these questions how would the flash film change the dceu it's a simple question liam what is your answer how will the flash film change the dceu if we had a video podcast you'd uh you'd see what i'm doing reset powerpoint boom oh boom <laughs> complete reset yeah. i i think we leave the flash film having a much cleaner definition of what the dcu dceu is and what their plans are moving forward and let's hope it's good plans because i'd like to see them see their vision through i, I hate the start stop mentality of any franchise 
Um, and uh, I'm excited to see how the Flash course corrects uh, the DCEU. I hate to be a pessimist here, but, you know, the DCEU continuity, I, I wouldn't have a problem with if they didn't try so hard. You know what I mean? Um, I think that they're going to use Flashpoint, this Flash movie, as basically introducing the multiverse concept that we're getting in the MCU, but in the DCEU, saying, well, anything can be anything, and it doesn't have to be connected, all that stuff. We're getting that in the MCU, and we feel more comfortable because it's been so built up. It's been so embodied. I think that the DCEU is going to do the exact same thing, but much like other DCEU movies, it's going to feel a little unearned. Um, especially when we see it in No Way Home, when we see it in Multiverse of Madness. So can't tell you, but I'm excited um, to see what they do. Visually, I think this movie is going to be insane. Um, uh, that was a Zagum Scum on Insta. Um, Bree Easy asked, do you think that we get any info on Justice League Dark or Green Lantern Corps at DC Fandom? I, first off, I love the username, Bree Easy. Bree Easy. It's like breezy, but it's like half Bree. Half easy E. Shout out NWA. Cruising um, the street I, in my six boat. You ever see that? I need to send you that TikTok. But there was someone. Real quick side tangent. There was someone who made this TikTok about. That's that's not the real Doctor Strange because the doc the Doctor Strange we know would never do anything super reckless like creating the spell the spell to reset the the world and everything. And then someone stitched it. You know what a stitch is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Someone stitched it with uh, also Doctor Strange. Like texting, cruising down the street in my six foot, and just you know, yeah, wrecks the car. Good shit. Thought that was uh, very funny. But I, uh, getting back to this question, we I think we addressed it in our our fandom preview last week we with did. Richard Debbins. Shout out Richard for coming on the pod. I think Green Lantern Corps is teased the same way Fantastic Four and Mutants were teased at SDCC in 2019. Uh, Kevin Feige at the end of that panel said, "Oh, we didn't even have time to talk about the Fantastic Four or X Men uh, or the mutants and all that." I think we get something along the lines of wrapping up the panel with saying, oh man, I really wish we could give you more Green Lantern Corps details as like maybe a logo comes behind him or yep. maybe some faces from the cast pop up, maybe some concept art, something brief like that. JL Dark, that movie's been in development hell for what, 250 years. So I, I doubt we get anything. Well, we're getting a flash movie. Um, mm -hmm. uh, beneficial to your life on Twitter. Um, he gives us our first Star Wars question. What is one unanswered Star Wars question you wish was answered, Liam? I'll start first. It's not going to give Liam a push time. I do want to know who Ray's parents were, and I'm not buying any of the shit that they gave us. All right. I don't like that it's a Palpatine. I don't like that it's no one. Those are both answers that we got in that franchise, and we still don't know because Ray Skywalker. Yeah, uh, that's my answer right there. Who the fuck was Snoke, Matt? Who was Snoke? Who was Snoke, dude? Andy, I, Andy uh, Circus. Uh, I left The Force Awakens with such hope for those two questions. Your, your question is my number two, my 1B, honestly, to my 1A. I want to know who Ray's parents were. I want to know who, who the hell Snoke was. And we got, we got um, uh, Jesus Christ, Luke Skywalker at the end. I had so much hope. And not that The Last Jedi squashed it all. It took it on a little bit of a turn, and I was let down in the moment. And then The Rise of Skywalker came out and just slapped me in the face until I bled with just, the oh, chamber. studio, the, you know, it's, it's, it's what we want. It's what you want. You love nostalgia, right? No, come on. Like, oh, I want to know who Snoke was. That was a decision I wasn't a big fan of um, from The Last Jedi. I understand from a narrative standpoint why they did it, but I think the... The potential, the fan theory behind 
Darth Plagueis is literally referenced in episode three. He can cheat death. He looks similar to Snoke in episode seven. There was such an easy built-in story to connect it all, connect the prequels to the sequels to the originals. They didn't take it. And I wish we got more than just guy in a gold robe sliced in half. Was not a fan of how Snoke was carried out after Force Awakens. He was my most anticipated character leaving Force Awakens. And I was let down. I loved it in The Last Jedi, but they showed what looked like Snoke in a some sort of chamber in Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker, and that's why that movie sucks. Um, so uh, Ragu five six eight nine from Instagram asks us our last far far away question: the next Star Wars trilogy. We're getting one. You know they're gonna make it. Um, do you think it takes place in the High Republic era or the Old Republic era? And I wrote down some notes. The High Republic is Jedi prominence. It's kind of where we were in episode one, where everything was at peace. The Jedi were making sure that the peace was kept. Um, you know, uh, uh, Liam Neeson, you know, just kind of making sure everything's good to go. Um, and then the Old Republic is the bad times, the Sith prominence, thousands of years before episode one. The Old Republic is why everybody was so scared of the Empire, because they've seen it. It's been awful. It's a lot of the video games and the books. Um, they cover that. So, Liam, I guess, where would you want to see the next Star Wars trilogy? In the bad times or the good times? <laughs> the bad times are always fun. Sure. They're, they're, they're a more fun story to tell. Um, I would love to see... I'd love to see the Sith kind of in prominence. What did it look like when, you know, we saw in the prequels, a Jedi council ruling over everything. What did, what did the Sith council look like? I'm yeah. curious. I think yeah. that'd be very fun. I wonder if they were more organized than the Jedi council, you know, cause that'd be pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I don't really have a good answer for this. I'm just excited for more Star Wars content. If I'm being completely honest, I love where the Mandalorian is. And um, I've always kind of been more of a fan of the political side of Star Wars than the Jedi stuff. The Force stuff, don't get me wrong, it's amazing and I love it. And I love that Luke is such a big part of it. But um, the prequels really laid out a lot of interesting ideas, like Amazing Spider-Man 2 situation, where the the nuts and bolts of the prequels are amazing. I just think it was executed poorly. So um, I guess I would like to see the more political side of things, which would be the higher public, you know, a, a, a better take on the Jedi Council. And, you know, I like the meta take that, you know, maybe they just weren't very good at their jobs, which is fine. But, um, you know, explain that in a more uh, prominent way. Explain it in a way that doesn't glorify them for being that. Um, last question comes from Toby is back 154. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's more of a direct question. How do you guys post everything so quickly with everything happening? Let me tell you if you're only a fan of the direct podcast i've mentioned earlier make sure to head over to the direct.com make sure to head over to mcu direct dcu direct star wars direct etc all of our channels um, over on social media twitter most prominently also on instagram and facebook but guys we have such an amazing team behind us we are two um you know small pieces of this amazing machine that uh, make the direct go you know we're the podcasters we relay the news in audio format um, with a little more opinion-based stuff but over at the direct we have an incredible team of editors, writers, image creators, our bosses, both Brian and Jack, making sure everything runs. We have a Slack channel that is incredibly busy, incredibly efficient, incredibly systematic in an amazing way. And it helps us get all the best content out as quickly as possible to make sure we give you everything you need to know about the universes you love. Uh, me and Liam, both writers, um, we cover news when we can. We're also feature writers, both of us. Um, I'm an image creator over at the direct liam is one uh, part of our editing team led by pam gores 
Um, and it's just an incredible system we have over there with an amazing team featured with some of your favorite guys here on the record podcast, David Thompson, Richard Nevis, Jack Pews, uh, et cetera. So that's how we do it. We got a badass team do a badass shit all the damn time. Yeah. And I, I say it every time I leave one of, uh, I do like campus TV here at Syracuse and every time I'm done anchoring a show, which kind of feels like that's what we do here. You know, we're, we're anchoring a podcast, sure. right? I'll, I'll look to the, the crew and I'll always like thank them individually because at the end of the day, it does take a village and it's very humbling to be the ones who are like on air, who are driving the ship. But there's a lot of crew members um, in the background doing a lot of hard work to ensure that the ship can run smoothly. And it's the same exact thing with the direct. It's a little it's a little different because it's remote. So we don't necessarily get to see all of our faces. And I don't get to see Matt slaving away on Photoshop, creating all these great images. And, you know, Matt doesn't get to see me at 2.30 in the morning editing three articles just because I can't sleep. Um, so it's like things like that. Uh, it's it's silent, thankless work, but not thankless in a negative sense. It's everyone's doing their job. Everyone's committed to their side of things. And the best part about the direct is the, the freedom of scheduling because, you know, Matt and myself don't wake up every day thinking we have to clock in from nine to five for the direct you know, we both have lives outside of this great brand and the flexibility of being able to, okay, we're going to record our podcast at 10 Eastern, then I'm going to go to class and then we're going to edit it at, you know, six Eastern. And then we, the, the flexibility is great. Um, and the dedicated team um, is also just amazing because if we didn't have people so committed uh, to this brand, to their craft, uh, it wouldn't run as smoothly as it does. I'm always shocked to see how quickly images, thumbnails get put in for breaking news articles, literally 10 minutes after they get assigned. It's, in, it's incredible. So uh, I'm looking forward to the future uh, of the direct, obviously, but uh, you know, we've really set a pretty great gold standard when it comes to organized, efficient, and, and timely publishing. It's, it's pretty special and it's uh, an honor to be a part of. Absolutely. Yep. Guys, thank you so much for sending in your questions here on the mailbag. We'll have another one here soon. Uh, you know, we'll have an internal primer, when next two weeks three weeks something like that the sunday close, man the sunday before it comes out on november 5th which i believe actually because i was looking at our our direct calendar that's how that's how organized we are now guys we have a Phase calendar mm-hmm. i believe that will drop on halloween eternals prime hell yeah nice maybe we'll dress up for it you know maybe we can get some <laughs> costumes going um i'll be thena and uh you can be some i think that'll work really well sure. yeah. um so uh, that'll be our next mailbag. Keep an eye out for that graphic, uh, either on Instagram or mine and Liam's personal Twitter. And uh, we'll get all your Eternals questions answered, probably with a guest, if I had to guess. Um, but yeah, until next time, we'll see you back on the direct mailbag. That was a quick question. That was another quick question. Mm-hmm. That was another quick question. That was the sizzle reel. That was a breakdown of all things Adam Warlock. That was a mailbag. And that's an episode, episode Boom. 55, episode one of the new phase of the direct podcast. Still not sure how we're going to organize these moving forward, but we're glad that you are all still here for the ride. And we're hoping to welcome a new faces, a couple new faces along the way. Um, but we talk all things Marvel, DC, Star Wars. We got into a lot of Marvel today because Marvel is just dominating the news headlines, but we will be talking all things DC fandom. This weekend, like I said at the top, keep an eye out for that bonus episode. I assume is going to drop Sunday. That's Sunday, October 17th. 
keep an eye out for that day after DC Fandom. We'll have all our reactions, all our ana- analysis, all our reviews, all our thoughts, all compiled into one bonus episode. But we do also have thoughts outside of the wacky, wavy, wonderful world of comic book movie news and reviews and all things that goes on in this sphere. So Matt, do you have a weekly recommendation for the people this week? Go to the movies. You know, we, I don't think we've done that one in a while. You know what I mean? I think that uh, that was something that we preached pretty heavy during the pandemic. And then movies started opening back up. Thank you, Shang-Chi. And, um, but No Time to Die had a pretty rough weekend. More people saw Venom. Um, and uh, with Eternals coming out, guys, this movie has a chance to really make some history, um, you know, for the type of project that it is. I think Guardians really planted the seeds of the D-list characters being able to be good movies. Uh, like Dark Knight planted the seeds of comic book movies being able to be good movies. So I think Eternals has an opportunity to really transcend the genre a little bit. And I want everybody to go to movies. I bought my IMAX tickets yesterday and I'm taking my beautiful wife to go see it with me. And um, I cannot wait to see what happens. And uh, I implore all of you to go see it on the big screen. Yeah, definitely go see Eternals in three weeks. But when you're looking for someone to do this weekend, go see No Time to Die. Oh my God. Oh my Lord, was that movie great? I'm not, no spoilers. You can put okay. your headphones back on. No spoilers. Okay. But I'm this excited. was my favorite James Bond uh, movie in general. I'm not a big fan of the pre-Craig era just because a little campier for my liking um, with all due respect to, to the past Bonds. This was my favorite Craig Bond movie. Two hours and I think like 40 minutes of what felt like the end game for James Bond in, in terms of it felt like everyone was here it felt like all these storylines were culminating it felt like like the final chapter of of a franchise i mean we've known that this is going to be craig's last bond movie and i think they they finished this franchise wonderfully i saw an imax i was blown away matt i said to you i don't know if it was on the podcast or on a phone call but i'm not a huge james bond guy compared to marvel star wars percy jackson pro wrestling whatever i i left this movie wanting to watch all the movies in order i left this movie how my friends most likely left endgame being like damn i wish i watched the dark world before this because i want to know what all that ether stuff was about like i wish i i watched quantum of solace more intently so i appreciated certain aspects about this movie same thing with specter and casino royale and skyfall i, I watched skyfall a couple of days leading uh into it but still go see no time to die i was so let down that that Venom took away some box office from it this weekend because damn was that movie incredible. Damn did I leave that movie going. I so I'm so glad I dropped 20 bucks on a ticket because it was uh it was special. So go see No Time to Die, go to the theaters, and uh yeah, go see Dune as well in a couple weeks. Go to the movies every single weekend. It's yeah. great, it's a great time, <laughs> and it's not that expensive in the grand scheme of things. No, it's really not. Um, I can't wait to see No Time to Die. You know me, Liam. I gotta watch all of them in order before I go see it. So um, I got to fit that in while I'm doing my MCU rewatch uh, leading into Eternals and uh, Seinfeld's on Netflix now, which mm-hmm. sucks. And also there's sport, there's football on, you know, three nights a week, which is really makes it tough to watch movies sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to go see it. Does this mean we close the show with the Bond theme song? I'm all for it. I, I mean, I was going to, I was going to play uh, Dirty Water, but I guess we can, uh, we can go with Bond instead. It's up to you, man. It's your world. I'm just living this. Anyways, guys, thank you all so much for for joining us. Episode 55 of The Direct Podcast. It's a new phase. It's a new era. It's a new generation. And we're just getting started. We'll see you next week. But until then, go Sox.
I'm having the biggest panic moment of my life right now because I'm screen sharing and I can't see the full setup. Are we recording? Yeah. It doesn't show on here. I got, oh, really? I got, I got the pop-up window. You know, when, when somebody's sharing a screen, you know, the little pop-up window in the corner. Yeah. I got that made big and I can't oh. see the recording button and I just freaked the fuck out. It's flashing on my end. So that's all we need. That's all I care about. <laughs> you, you flashing on your end is all I care about. Amen. Um, <laughs> yeah. 